Greetings, my fellow travelers. It is once again time for some guided meditation. Today, I would like to share with you the three core characteristics of Vipassana meditation. So please, sit down, relax, chill out. Nothing about this is difficult. So I invite you to make yourself comfortable and join me in today's practice. You know how we begin our practice. Or if you don't know, if this is your first time joining us today, that's not a problem because we're gonna go through it all anyway. So first of all, let's sit down on our Zafu if we have one, our meditation cushion. However we sit, we would like our hips raised up off the floor. When our knees are lower than our hips, it makes it much easier to sit with a nice straight back. And you know that's where we start, with our posture. If you're sat on a chair, that's fine too, but please sit up straight. Don't lean back against the back of the chair. However you are sat, sit up straight, engage the core, level the hips. But relax, take it easy, balance in all things. As we begin, as we focus on our posture, we can engage with it the same way I like to engage with positions in yoga. As we inhale, we lift ourselves up and stretch into the position. As we exhale, we relax, we ease out any tension, we become comfortable in this posture. Inhale, lift and stretch. Exhale, ease and comfort. As we breathe in and out, lift and relax. The difference between the focus of these two efforts becomes smaller and smaller until eventually we find that middle point, that natural balance between a controlled, upright and correct posture and also a comfortable, relaxed and easy position. And with that, we come on to the second stage of our practice, breathing. Inhale, su'u. Exhale, haku. Just bring your attention to the breath. Don't worry about the quality of the breath. Don't start to judge if you're doing it right or wrong. If you're breathing, which I hope you are, if you are breathing, then you are doing it correctly. Just pay attention to the breath. Watch the breath. Feel the breath. Still with an upright posture, she said. 
Masugu suwaru, sit up straight. Kokyu suru, breathe. Vipassana Meditation In contemporary practice and modern Buddhist discourse, Vipassana is often spoken of as a technique. However, in the Pali Canon, it is not taught as a mode of practice, but rather a state of being. Vipassana is often translated as insight, which is a suitable enough term. Mindfulness is another suitable translation. In the Pali language, pasana means to see, and the prefix v implies separation. So the direct translation of the term is to see clearly the separation between this and that, between one thing and another. The longer we meditate, the longer we concentrate on our present experience, the more clarity we will see it with. We will naturally gain insight into the present experience when concentrated upon, when viewed with clarity and equanimity for a sufficient period of time. When we gain insight, when we become mindful of the content we are currently experiencing, we may become more acutely aware of a few key qualities. The first characteristic of Vipassana I would like to share with you is that of impermanence. All things are impermanent. Everything will inevitably end. That is the third of the Buddha's noble truths, the truth of impermanence. This is in itself neither good nor bad. Yes, all good things will end. Any pleasure you indulge yourself in will eventually no longer provide any joy or emotional sustenance. But so too does all suffering end. There is nothing permanent in this world, and that may help us when we struggle with the many difficulties we face throughout life. What I would like you to do right now is apply this knowledge of impermanence to your current experience. As you sit with your gaze fixed on the floor approximately six feet ahead of you, eyes open, cast down at about 40 degrees, as you sit and as you watch, consider that no part of what you are currently looking at is permanent. Soon enough, you will finish this meditation, you'll stand up, move on to something else, and this sight that you can now see before your eyes will be gone.
so too can we apply this principle to our hearing. Listen carefully to all of the sounds that you can hear right now. My voice, anything in your environment, either a part of nature or man-made, all things loud and quiet. Consider how all of the sounds you can hear right now will soon enough be gone. Not only later today, but far off into the future when you live somewhere else, a completely different life, the sounds from this environment right now will be a vague and distant memory, if remembered at all. And again, Apply this thought to your bodily sensations. Everything that you can currently feel physically, the warmth, the cold, the comfort, discomfort, soon enough it will be gone. And far off into the future, when you are much older, things will most certainly feel different then. And last, consider your mental faculties, the images within your mind, your internal dialogue, the emotional content you currently feel. All of these things will end. Sometimes, when we are overcome by grief or depression, it may be difficult to feel as though you will ever move beyond such feelings. But sure enough, here we are. Through time, all things pass and all things fade. Again, I would like to remind you that impermanence itself is neither inherently good nor bad, it simply is. Without the cessation of one thing, change would not be possible. And were change not possible, the universe would not have developed and progressed into this state now. None of us would exist to enjoy this present moment. Next, for the second characteristic, I would like you to consider that all content is inherently unsatisfactory. At first glance, this principle may seem somewhat nihilistic or depressing which is why so many people commonly fall into the nihilism trap when they first begin to learn about Buddhism. But you know this to be true. Unsatisfactoriness itself is closely related to impermanence. All content is inherently unsatisfactory as it is all inevitably impermanent. 
There is absolutely nothing, no product you may consume, no position or circumstance you may place yourself in, which will provide you with unending happiness. This is why desire is considered the root cause of all suffering, as we continue to pursue that ever-elusive pleasure. Once again, I would like you to apply the thought of this characteristic to your present experience. As you sit, as you see, whatever your current view may be, whether you are facing a wall, sort of Zen style, or on a train, or even outside looking out into nature, sometimes we may begin to feel bored and our mind may drift to thoughts of more entertaining sights. Wouldn't it be more interesting to watch a movie or look at a painting or to sit at the beach and watch the rolling waves of the ocean? Sure, these sights will be entertaining for a while, but for how long? Any sight that you can possibly see will eventually bore you and you will want to look at something else. So when you find yourself bored at your sight, do not believe that the problem is with the view itself. Instead, realize that it is your own desire propelling your restless mind towards something new. When we realize that any new sight we could possibly see is fundamentally unsatisfactory, it gives us comfort and peace in our current view. This is enough. We must practice contentment with what we can see now. And so too can we apply this understanding to what we can hear. No sound, no music, nor any spoken word is able to provide us with everlasting happiness. The pleasure which we desire from these things is fleeting and unsustainable. and so too with physical sensations. This is something I need to remind myself of often. Sex feels great in the moment, but it's never enough. The hormones which you feel driving you toward your impulses are designed for their own benefit. Procreation to create children and pass on your genes, that's all great. But to the individual, don't forget that the experience itself is fundamentally unsatisfactory. And of course, once again with your inner self, mental image, mental talk, body emotion, no matter what state of mind you are able to place yourself in, no matter how happy, how positive or full of joy, it will eventually end. And that's fine. That's the human condition. We will laugh. We will cry. We will experience a wide, fascinating array of emotions. That's great. But what we should be aware of that all of these thoughts, all of these ideas, pictures, words and feelings we experience within our mind, none of them are able to permanently satisfy us.
And so it is recommended that we attempt to be content as we are. In this present moment, there is nowhere to go and nothing to gain. This is it. The final characteristic is that of no self. It is said that no part of our current experience relates to any concrete or permanent self. The ego is an idea, a concept formed around the image of a person. I may feel that I may exist, I have a name, a body, a place in society, but when we examine closely the qualities upon which this experience is founded, we can clearly see that none of them relate to any clearly identifiable self. The sight which I can see is not me. It is an experience happening entirely within itself. The transmission of information and content with no discernible personality in and of itself. So too with the sound I can hear and also with the bodily sensations I can feel. Extensive scientific research, including fMRI scans and other deep analysis of the brain, conclusively indicate that there is no central area of the brain to which information of these external sensations is transmitted. Different areas of the brain do communicate with each other, but generally speaking, there is no command center. There is no me in the middle of it all being relayed this data. Sight is happening, an experience entirely within itself. Sound simply exists. The body feels itself, completely of its own accord. And once again, this understanding can be applied to our mental faculties. This is where we lose a lot of people. Hard though it is for many of them to understand that we are not our thoughts, but instead that our thoughts are something happening to us. The images we see in our mind, the voices we hear in our head, even our deepest, most personal emotions are all transient experiences happening to us. Sensations we are subjected to, no different from those external to us. You may think to yourself that you are in control of the voices and images within your mind, but the control we have is like that of our breathing. I can choose to breathe quickly or slowly, but when I stop thinking about it, my breathing continues entirely on its own. Even as I sleep, I continue to breathe. If I truly had control over my breathing, then surely I would be able to choose to simply stop but of course we cannot, at least not for long. 
And so too with our thoughts, we may be able to redirect the flow, but the flow itself never ends. If we understand that within no individual part of this experience is there any self to be found, then we may begin to realize that the self does in fact not exist at all. This truth of no self, of pure egolessness, is something I will expand on in the future. How's your posture? Are we still sitting upright? Let's not forget our base, always coming back to the fundamentals. Posture and breathing. Bringing our attention now more clearly to the exhalation, lengthening that outward breath. Comfortable, present, here and now. Realizing clearly the impermanence of all things. Understanding deeply the unsatisfactory nature of all content. Accepting the truth of no self inherent within this experience. And now I release you. You don't need to move. You don't need to get up or change anything from the position you are in now. You may continue to sit. But know this, we are just sitting. With no intention of anything, no aim or goal. Right now, just sitting. Shikantaza. You may leave any time you wish, but until then, just sit. <laughs>